The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we are striving to be your public radio source for the inspiration and information. I can't talk today. Information and inspiration. You need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today is a special pre-recorded program. I am out of town traipsing around the country, speaking at some group somewhere, and uh, I really wanted to make sure that you guys got to hear uh, today's guest, who is also going to be uh, speaking uh, upcoming at some of the real estate associations here in the Cincinnati area, but we have listeners, of course, from all over the country. And this message was important enough that I thought you probably ought to uh, hear it, whether you could make it to one of these upcoming meetings or not. Uh, My guest today is Dave Peters. Dave is a uh, real estate investor from the Columbus, Ohio area who has uh, been investing in real estate since 2005 when he bought his very first rental property. At that time, he worked for the U.S. Navy, but very recently, uh, his real estate investments allowed him to retire from that job, and uh, he is now a full-time real estate investor and real estate agent up in the Columbus area. And the reason that his real estate investments have allowed him to quit is because of something that he did that is, um, I don't know, it's sort of like controversial in the real estate world. People will passionately argue both sides of this question, which is debt or no debt. And our topic today with Dave is um, debt-free investing and what is in it for you. Dave, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you, Vina. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be on your Real Life Real Estate show. This is great. And I appreciate you uh, taking the opportunity because um, it, it seems to me that this question of doing real estate without taking on debt has become a huge thing in about the last decade. Like I never heard anybody say, Hey, if you're going to buy real estate, you should try and you should try and not take on a lot of debt or try and pay it off really fast or something like that. Really before the crash. And in fact, what I was taught was take on as much debt as you possibly can put as little money into your real estate deals as you possibly can 
why do you think this has become such a big thing recently? Well, I think you, you mentioned it already. I, I don't think you have to look any further than the last real estate crash. I mean, there's many investors who were very highly leveraged, myself included. I knew three investors in Columbus who lost everything. I mean, one of them lost about 20 houses, another about 35. I know one gentleman lost over 100 properties in the crash. Um, secondhand, I'm even aware of somebody in another Midwest city that lost 1,100 properties. So, you know, when the market turned, they were upside down on their entire portfolio. Their mortgage payments were very high relative to the rental income, so cash flow was thin to begin with. And so when they had a few vacancies and repairs, you know, the cash flow dropped and they couldn't cover the mortgages and the dominoes began to fall. Now, they they didn't have enough cash flow at that point to pay their mortgages and their other expenses. And because they were upside down and and with no equity, I think they couldn't sell everything or anything to generate cash. And they they couldn't refinance because there was no equity. Um, So they ended up in foreclosure. You know, and I would ask you, Rena, during that same downturn, did you hear any stories of any free and clear property owners losing their entire portfolios? <laughs> no, it does tend to be the case that only people who have mortgages get foreclosed on. People people don't tend to lose whole portfolios of properties over things like property taxes, which, you know, would be another thing that if you can't pay, they're going to take your property away. But it, the, the thing, it, I get it, right? I get that. Um, all of us who owned properties during that period had sleepless nights. We had months when we were juggling bills because not, not only were the mortgage payments still due, but during that time frame, uh, it was very much harder to get tenants in it to, to cover your payments. Um, it was uh, the case that many, many families, because of the huge upheaval in the economy, were moving in together so you either had eight people applying for your three-bedroom house or you had no people applying for your three-bedroom house because the eight of them were going to move in together. Um, the, the only reason that I was able to survive that time was because of my wholesaling business. I, I could not have continued to make the payments just off of what was coming in in rents. But at the same time, is that an argument for no debt or is that an argument for not over-leveraging? Well, I know, like you, it was a little bit scary in the downturn for me. Uh, cause like those other investors I was talking about, I was highly leveraged at the time. Um, I came out of it unscathed. I was very fortunate. I, I had a job and used, kind of tapped into some of that money to uh, to help with, with the uh, cash flow issues as we were going through it. But, um, you know, I mean, I look at the cash flow being higher, obviously, on free and clear properties than compared to leveraged properties. And so, you know, I want to build a big enough cash flow going forward that it covers my expenses and my needs plus a reasonable reasonable uh, margin for doing some fun stuff. But, you know, with the, the good debt versus no debt is definitely a little controversial, as you mentioned earlier. And I've had some very interesting debates with folks about this. Uh, and to be honest, I can argue for both sides, and I feel like I'm qualified to argue for both sides because I've been on both sides. Um, I used the so-called good debt when I was getting started to build my portfolio. I know you remember buying a house and, and, and fixing it up and taking 100% of your cash out in a refinance, going and doing it again. It was incredibly easy to get those loans. You pretty much had to fog a mirror. Um, it seemed like everyone I knew was, was building their portfolios that way, so I did too. I, I 
sounds like the same thing you did. Uh, so since I'm still around, I know that, that having good deck can work because I'm still standing. Um, you have to be incredibly disciplined and you have to understand the trade-offs. You know, admittedly, I think if you're using good debt wisely in income-producing assets, it can be a multiplier, and you can potentially obtain, attain a higher rate of return on a leveraged property than on a free and clear property where your equity is locked into the house. I get that argument completely. Um, but even though you might get a higher ROI, you know, good debt is a double-edged sword. It increases your exposure to forces beyond your control, such as another market downturn or, or a housing bubble. And it increases your monthly needs or your outgoing cash. So I guess you can call it good debt if you want, but at the end of the day, it's still debt. And you still owe someone or some institution money. And in my mind, that robs you of your freedom. And you still have to have a job or some other way to generate income to cover those payments. Um, while debt does you know, allow you to acquire more properties, the cash flow on each is, is going to be lower. Um, and so I guess to answer your question, it took me a while to get there, um, using good debt isn't wrong, but I like to ask people, would you rather have 20 highly leveraged properties on 30-year loans or would you rather have 10 free and clear rentals? You know, what's your, what's your tolerance for risk? Which of those is easier to manage? Which of those will cause you less stress? Which of those gives you more freedom? You know, and, and there's no right or wrong answer to that question, I don't think. Um, you just have to understand who you are and what your risk for tolerance is and make sure you go into it informed. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more to Dave Peters about exactly how one goes about acquiring and managing properties without taking on debt. Again, this is a pre-recorded program, so we won't be able to take your uh, calls or questions, but stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Dave Peters. Dave is a real life investor. He doesn't have a course to sell. He doesn't he doesn't guru it up except for in the month of April, on April 5th in uh, Cincinnati, and on April the 3rd in Columbus, he is going to be giving a presentation on this exact topic and how he kind of went through the process of deleveraging his properties over the course of a number of years. He's got examples. He shows you exactly how he did it. And if you are in the Cincinnati or Columbus area, uh, you probably might, might want to make an attempt to come see that presentation. It, you can get more information at CincinnatiRia.com about his Cincinnati appearance or at CentralOhioRia.com about his Columbus appearance. And if you're uh, listening from some other group in the state and thinking, man, I, we need to have Dave come speak at our group, send me an email and I'll get you in touch with him because this message is very important to Dave. He, 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 he likes telling people about this because it made a great big difference in his life. Uh, now, Dave, um, it occurred to me during the break that I threw out a term that I assumed that people would know what it meant and we didn't actually define it. And that is good debt. There's, there's this idea out there about good debt versus bad debt. And we talked about good debt, but we didn't say what it was. So can you take a minute and explain that to listeners? Well, I think most people, when, when they think of good debt, that is debt that is producing income or it's, it's invested in income producing assets such as houses um, 
bad debt being like consumer debt, credit card debt, uh, car loans, you know, depreciating assets. I think that's the primary difference that people think of between good debt and bad debt. So um, it's okay to some some think it's okay to have good debt because it's in, it's producing income, and others you know disagree with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who first coined that term, but I think the first time I heard it was uh, from Robert Kiyosaki. So folks who have read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books have have uh, read about this idea that there are certain kind of debts that, that are good and good being defined as they make you money in some way, right? I, 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 I Yes, I borrow money, but that money makes me money. Now, would you agree, Dave, that the the real bottom line between whether someone decides to take on take on debt or not take on debt because there's it, 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 it's a big difference in how your real estate career is going to proceed if you decide I'm not taking on any debt versus I am taking on debt. Would you agree that that's largely an emotional decision? It's largely about what lets me sleep at night. Oh, definitely. Um... You know, I mentioned risk tolerance. How much risk are you willing to tolerate? You know, how how much is that gonna gonna bother you? Um, and definitely, it, it started to keep me up at night, especially during the downturn when I thought, you know, what I've I've kind of I'm a little too highly leveraged here. I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this, and it, it caused sleepless nights. And that was a driving factor in helping me decide that I wanted to pursue being debt-free rather than, you know, having debt. But, you know, I still have a lot of debt to pay off. I am not yet debt-free. I started with a really big number, and I'm still working on it. But I sleep a whole lot better at night. Sorry, you caught me in the middle of a drink when you paused there. <laughs> like Three seconds <laughs> of silence on the radio is like, it's like, you know... Every, everybody stops and goes, wait, do I have the right station still? What happened to the, what happened to the feed? So um, you came to this conclusion about your real estate debt, what, as a result of going through the, the, the Great Recession? Well, I mean, it was, that, was, that had started to weigh on me, um, and I didn't really think that I had it crystallized. Um, but I, I thought, you know what, I, I'd like to really get rid of this debt wasn't entirely sure how, and I guess there was one defining moment where I came to the conclusion that, that getting rid of my debt is really what I wanted to do, um, and it became crystal clear in November of 2011, and I know you'll be happy to hear this, it was at the OREA conference. <laughs> um, I was actually listening to one of the speakers, Sean McCloskey, and he was talking about being debt-free and the freedom that that can bring. And as you know, Venus, Sean co-wrote the Life and Air book with Steve Cook, and Life and Air helps people to experience the lives they truly desire. A- anyway, I talked with Sean at length um, during that ARIA weekend, and he convinced me that what I really needed was a vision for my life. So if my life could be any way I wanted it, what would that look like? And that essentially is what a vision is. What do you really want and why? So I found out that it was much more challenging to write my vision than I expected. And I really didn't want to do it anyway. Um, It sounded a little too touchy-feely for me. But Sean was insistent that I do it, and he ended up getting me to write it. Well, once it was written, however, um, I realized how incredibly powerful my vision was 
and there's several parts to a vision, but two things that I wrote down in my first version was that I wanted to pay off all my debt and I wanted to quit my job. Um, once I realized that I wanted those things, I became laser-focused on the actions that I needed to take to make it happen. Uh, I brought an idea from, from, from two friends of mine, Jen and Andy, and um, I bought a whiteboard and wrote down everything that needed to happen so that I could quit my job. And I put that whiteboard up in my office, and I chipped away at it until everything on it was crossed off. At that point, I knew I could quit. So, you know, examples of some of the things that went on my whiteboard that really helped me, I wanted to pay off all my personal debt. Um, I wrote down how much I wanted to have in cash reserves set aside. I wanted a rental portfolio that consisted uh, was consistently producing a certain amount of cash flow per month. I wanted 10 free and clear rentals, and I wanted a new life insurance policy in place. So if I had those things, I could quit my job. Um, but that then required a fair amount of work. Um, so for the debt payoff element, I developed some spreadsheets for tracking all my important business metrics so that I could see and understand the numbers. Um, and knowing that data helped me increase the cash flow of my business significantly because I was bleeding from my rental portfolio. It was, I found it was hard to manage with a full-time job. Um, I was getting by, but it wasn't great. So I started tracking metrics um, so that I could, I could know what I could cross off on my whiteboard. And I started tracking things like my total debt, my mortgage debt, how much debt I was paying down, cash flow by properties each month, you know, cash flow by my portfolio, average length of tenancy, um, because I knew turnover was my biggest expense. I just didn't know how big. So now I can analyze trends and look at stuff, um, and it helps me to run my business effectively, more efficiently. But I was amazed at how much progress I, was, I started to make in a very short amount of time after I wrote my vision and captured those, those vision elements and goals. It was like magic almost. It, it was definitely life-changing. So, so the Orea Conference in 2011 was the crossover point where I made the decision to switch from good debt to being debt-free. And since I wrote that vision, I have quit my job, and I have paid off over $700,000 in debt. Uh, and by the way, you know, I signed on, as, as you know, with Life and Air uh, that weekend, and Sean is my coach with Sean as my coach. He's still my coach to this day. And we probably don't have enough time to get off on this tangent, but if you really want to grow, uh -huh. definitely uh, consider uh, getting a coach. So, you know, if you combine a good coach with, with a vision, you're going to get to new heights you didn't think were possible. Mm -hmm. And for, for folks, I know we, we, we can't take questions today because we're pre-recorded, but uh, I'm guessing that if we could take questions, I'd be getting 15 questions that asked me at gmail.com that said, what was the name of that book that he talked about? And <laughs> the book is called Life and Air. It's L-I-F-E-O-N-A-I-R-E. -E. It's like millionaire, except instead of million, it's life. You can get that at Amazon.com, and we would really appreciate it if you would do that by going to WMKVFM.org and clicking on the Amazon button at the top corner and then proceeding with your order because uh, WMKV is a little public radio station, needs all the support it can get, and Amazon gives, I don't know how this works, but if you order it through the WMKV site, any of your books through the WMKV website, WMKV gets a little bit of money and every single thing helps. So again, the book is Life and Air. The authors are uh, Sean McCluskey and Steve Cook. And you can get that at WMKVFM.org at the 
uh, Amazon.com button. So, Dave, I gather that, you, you, I mean, you had a good job and you'd been at it for a long time. <laughs> and I, I gather that uh, the paying off of the debt felt really connected to you, to you with the ability to quit the job. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what gave me the, um, I guess the the power to say that I I could quit. You know, I with all the debt that I had, I felt like I couldn't. And and the job paid well. I mean, I had golden handcuffs on, but I just didn't. I had too much fear, I suppose, of quitting the job. But once I started to hammer away at that debt, and I made you know specific payments go away. For example, the, the car payments went away. Um, my, you know, all all my credit card debt went away. Once that stuff started to go, um, I became a little more confident, and then I started hitting the actual rental mortgages. And it's amazing that when you pay off debt, it helps your cash flow. So when when my cash flow got strong enough, that's when I knew that I could leave the job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was this, I know this, you're going to get more into this sort of discussion uh, when you can have slides like at your presentations coming up at the beginning of April. But uh, did you use the, the concept that I've heard called the debt cascade where I get rid of my car payment and so I use that money to chisel down on my credit card payment and then when that's gone, I use it to, on my home mortgage and so on? That's exactly what I did. When I was at the Aria conference, I decided uh, to make some drastic changes. And first thing we did is we had two car payments, and I talked to my wife, and we ended up selling the minivan just to get rid of that loan. Um, once we did that, we used the money, and plus it was a minivan, so we didn't need it to go. But anyway, the uh, we used that money to pay off the second car and get, got that paid off in less than half the time. And from there, it just kept rolling. You know, I, I used, uh, used that extra money to pay off, you know, all the, all the credit cards that I had. I had some other debt. That's all gone. And um, I didn't even know it at the time, but I was employing Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. You know, starting out small and, and paying things off, and, and pretty soon, that, that snowball, it became a juggernaut, and I, I couldn't stop it. it was, that was a, a great place to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to address the question of what advice would you give someone who already owns rentals and wants to get rid of the debt, and what advice would you give someone who doesn't own rentals and now doesn't want to take on any debt? We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dave Peters, who's just a guy like everybody else who started investing in rentals and then made a big decision back in 2011 to ultimately reduce his debt down to zero and uh, was able to quit his job on 40 rental properties not not all of which let's i don't don't want to misspeak here dave give people the impression that something's here is happening that is not happening it's not that you don't owe any money on any of your rentals it's that's correct it's that you've 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 greatly reduced that debt and now you are taking it on in a different way when you go to buy a different property right that is correct so let me let me ask you just just a, a super basic question that I have to ask you because you're an American. 
What okay. happens? What happens when when you and your wife suddenly decide that what you really need worse than anything else is a twelve thousand dollar Mediterranean cruise? I mean, you, don't, uh, you don't use credit cards, so I mean, you don't you don't have you don't carry credit card debt. So, like, how do you get that stuff? Well, we just now uh, we just do it, and the way we do that is by paying cash. And the way we have cash is through the combination of cash flow, um, you know, and, and equity pay down. And, but we use, we just use cash from the business and. Um, we're able to do that because of the things that we've done to decrease expenses, to increase cash flow. Um, you know, paying off a mortgage certainly uh, improves your cash flow. And if you pay off enough of those, pretty soon you'll find that uh, you're in a really good position. So, you know, the other thing is not having a job allows you to just go take a cruise when you want to. So it's a really good combination. So, so basically you put off all this gratification until such time as you can just sort of, you know, be gratified when you want to be gratified. That that's, <laughs> Americans seem to have a difficult time perceiving that they can wait on something, right? If I want it, I have to have it right now. And there's a, there, you can have it right now, or you can do what you have done, which is create a situation where you actually have both the time and the money to to get things you want and do things you want without handcuffing yourself to your credit card company for the next five years. Yeah, that's right, Vina. And it was hard. I mean, we, we had to make some sacrifices, you know, cutting down to one car, um, cutting out some of the things that we were doing. Um, we had to definitely cut back for a while, but and the only regret I have is that I wish we would have done it sooner. But I didn't have the knowledge at the time um, to make that kind of a decision. And, um, you know, but now because we, we because we were able to because we made those sacrifices, we're able to have the freedom that we so desperately wanted. And this wasn't I mean, I'm sure it seems like a really long process in your head, but it started in 2011 and it's only 2018 now. I mean, you were able you were able to quit your job about what, six and a half years into the process? Yeah, I quit my job at, um, at in the end of 2016. And the way I was able to do that is, you know, the things we've mentioned and by checking off all those things on my whiteboard, um, I got a lot of encouragement from my friends at Life and Air. In fact, uh, they strongly encouraged me that I could quit sooner than I could. And in retrospect, I guess they were probably right um, because I was doing all the things that I needed to do to be to put myself in that position. So, um yeah, I, I, I could have probably done it even, I, I definitely could have done it even sooner than I did, but it all, you know, from the time I decided, so the time it happened was about uh, five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually really fast. I bet it didn't feel like it when it was going on. No, it kind of seemed like it took forever, but, you know, when you have a million seven in debt, it, you, you got to figure it's going to take a little while. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk to the folks out there who already own a rental property or two rental properties or ten rental properties, and they're really feeling this, right? They're they're thinking, man, it really would be great if on the first of the month I didn't have to hope that all my rents came in on time so that I could pay my debt. What are some ways 
that they could start thinking about getting that debt paid off, not tomorrow, but rapidly? Well, uh, first of all, I feel their pain because I've been there. Um, you know, I think the first thing I've already mentioned, you have to do whatever it takes to reduce expenses. Um, if you can increase income, you know, for example, by raising your rent, by, um, you know, looking at, looking at where your, all your, your cash is going, um, reducing your turnover is a huge one. You know, that, that's going to help immensely with your cash flow right there. But uh, some other things you can do, I mean, I looked at my debt, which was huge, and I thought, well, if I'm going to have to carry this debt for a while, I might as well make it the best damn debt I can have. Um, so what I mean by that is I was able to refinance a lot of my properties into a lower rate. Um, I was able to restructure some of my debt to increase the cash flow. And, you know, if you can do that, then you can use that extra cash flow to pay down the debt faster. Um, one of the best things that happened was I was able to do a HARP refinance with nine different loans. And granted, a lot of people probably don't have loans that are, uh, you can still do a HARP on, but if you do, you should definitely take advantage of it. That was the greatest deal I think I ever got. Um, so, you know, if you have debt, you can't get rid of it all at once. I'm right there with you. You know, restructure and, and change the debt that you have and try to make it better. Uh, and use that, use that improved, increased cash flow to pay off your, your other debt quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of us who are still sitting around with 7% loans from 2006 and just have not gone through the process of bothering to try and refinance them into 4.5% loans, which is what one can typically get now. And, you know, a, a, an extra $100 a month in your cash flow that you can then turn around and use to quickly pay off that 4.5% loan, uh, just, just it, so, get it, Get out a get out an Excel spreadsheet, folks, and run an amortization, and then run it again with an extra hundred dollar a month payment, and see how things might change for you in terms of paying off any loan. Now, uh, in terms of uh, applying uh, additional cash flow that you might come up with two loans, is it your feeling that you should work on one property and then and get it completely paid off and then work on the next one? That's exactly the way I do it. Um, you, you could make some arguments for doing it a different way. The why, the reason I like that is because, you know, the, as soon as I get that property paid off, then I take that additional, what I was making on that payment for that property and apply it to the next property. So those numbers start to get fairly large fairly quickly, which means you can pay off uh, significant loans uh, much quicker than you ever imagined. So I want to knock down you know, the uh, mortgages as quick as I can and reduce them in number and take that additional cash flow from that and pay off the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one way for those for those that have this possibility, because, I mean, you know, some people just bought their houses in the last three or four years and maybe they already have the lowest possible interest rate. We don't know. But one way is look at the loans you have, see if it makes sense to refinance them to get some more cash flow to put back into uh, the same properties. Any other tips you have for people who are already in the position of having more debt than they want? Well, I guess another strategy that you could you could use, and this uh, someone gave me this idea, um, is to bring in a cash partner. So what that 
that would look like is somebody you, you find, someone who you can be a partner with, they bring in cash and pay off all your debt, and now you each are own, you know, that rental portfolio, maybe maybe 50-50, maybe whatever, you know, arrangement you work out. Um, and I considered this option. Ultimately, I didn't want to have a partner on my entire portfolio, but I would submit that it may be the quickest way to retire your debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you want to get it gone quick, you know, consider bringing in a cash partner. If the numbers work for both of you, that might be a good solution. Well, how is having a cash partner different than having a bank? Well, <laughs> first of all, um, you're not going to be paying exorbitant fees every time uh, you want to change things or every time you refinance. You know, the, the cash partner's got that covered, if you will. Um, it also gives you a whole lot more flexibility. You know, banks aren't the most flexible just because of the way that the loans are set up. Uh, and having that flexibility, to me, is huge. Um, I want to be able to, to move money around or to, to move houses in and out of the portfolio as needed. And that's really hard to do when there's bank loans on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember that from from the from the perspective of what we've sort of been talking about here the whole time, which is the s- most stress free way to go, <laughs> is when you have a cash partner. There's no payment due the month that you don't have a payment coming in. I, I when I call the bank and say, guys, my my house has been vacant for three months because I started a rehab and then the plumbing got stolen. And look, I just can't make the payment this month. They don't really go for that. <laughs> but, but, no, they don't. You know, the, the agreement with a cash partner is typically, I make money when you make money. And when I'm not making money, sorry, you're not making money either, right? I mean, it's 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 they, they are sort of in the same position you are as an owner as opposed to being as a lender. And I also know that a lot of a lot of folks who set out down this path of reducing their debt... Uh, just do it by adding an exit strategy to their to, to what they're doing, and that could be wholesaling, it could be retailing, it could be flipping notes, something that generates cash and does it fairly quickly. And if you if you if your goal is really to reduce the debt with the money as opposed to like upping your lifestyle with the money, um, man, you can pay off houses really fast if you're wholesaling two deals a year at five thousand bucks after taxes and putting that toward the property. Absolutely. That was another strategy I was going to mention. And you can do the same thing with retail flips. Now, the issue there is you, you have to have more cash to do those, but you can still, you know, use that money from a flip to do it. And, and you can have a partner on those flips. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now is I'm using money from, from the rehabs that I'm working on, and I'm taking the profit from those and using that money to pay off debt even quicker. So whether it's wholesaling or retailing, uh, those are definitely outstanding ways to that you can uh, get that paid off quicker. Very good. Uh, one last break, and then we're going to talk about what would you tell somebody who was a brand new investor who didn't want to take on a lot of debt? You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this.
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dave Peters. He's going to be in the central and southern Ohio areas at the beginning of next month. Uh, April 5th in Cincinnati and April 3rd in Columbus, just sort of sort of talking about what we're discussing today, but more about his journey, what all the things he did what were, were to uh, be able to get toward quitting that job. Um, I, I think I think you have uh, some examples from your whiteboard, Dave, of uh, how you how you paid off these these various properties and. Folks can attend those meetings by RSVPing at CincinnatiRIA.com or at CentralOhioRIA.com. Um, now, Dave, somebody who is just getting started in the real estate business might be listening to all of this and saying, well, it's easy once you've already got a bunch of properties and you, you, know, you have all this debt to start paying it down, but how am I supposed to go buy properties without borrowing money from somebody, what would you say to that person? Um, well, I wish I was in that position. You know, if, if I had a do-over, I would, I would acquire properties differently. I wouldn't use debt. Um, the first method that I would consider is cash. And I know that you know, listeners are going to say, well, I don't have that much cash. Um, maybe not at the moment, but like you said a few minutes ago, you know, what about doing a few wholesales? You know, and using that money to start building and buying houses with cash and using that, you know, wholesaling money to start building your portfolio. I would definitely be doing that if I was starting over again. Um, another way that you could do it is to, to partner. We've talked about partnering already. But you could find a rental part, a rental property and have a cash partner bring all the money needed to buy it, to rehab it, to, to capitalize it. Um, then you would run the rehab and manage the property, and you and your cash partner would divide the income from that. It's very similar to what we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, I've done exactly that in a joint venture, but in this case, the money came from somebody's IRA. Mm -hmm. And because you can't, it's a prohibited transaction to do anything in your IRA, the uh, the cash person... Um, doesn't do anything and I manage the property and then each of us get half the proceeds. I mean, that's a huge win-win. I didn't have to, have, I don't have to have any money to be able to do that and they don't have to do anything, which is what a lot of IRA investors want. They don't want to actively and they in fact can't actively manage rental properties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's two strategies I really like. And I know that uh, sometimes when you've acquired properties over the last five years since you made this decision, you've You've taken on debt, but but you've taken on debt that is incredibly short term. Yeah, it's been I've done that a couple of different ways. I know one of your favorites is seller financing. You know, for example, a seller wants uh, forty thousand, and you're able to come to agreement that you're going to pay thousand dollars a month for forty months. Well, you just got an interest free note there, and no bank is going to do that for you. Um, and I'm going to pay that off in just over three years. And I've done exactly that. And in fact, it, it paid off quicker because you have the uh, ability to negotiate with your with your owner financer there and and get an earlier payoff at a discount. So you get a lot of flexibility there. Um, and additionally, uh, I have you can get a loan from somebody that has money in that self-directed IRA account we talked about. And I've done this on several occasions. 
I pay the owner a healthy interest rate, um, and I pay them back as quick as possible, usually in three years. Mm-hmm. And during that time frame, my cash flow is, is not very good. In fact, sometimes it's negative. But uh, I can have this paid off in three years instead of 30. And in three years from now, if I can hold on, um, which I don't have a problem doing at this point, it, it, I'll have a free and clear property that's going to pay me extremely well. And I'm willing to sacrifice that three years to get that cash flow. Mm-hmm. So lots of ways to think about acquiring long-term properties without acquiring 30 years worth of obligation to uh, to an institution that is perfectly happy not just to take your property away from you if you can't make the payments, but then also pursue you for any loss that they may have had on that, sometimes for years and years and years. So uh, Dave, bottom line how has this project that you've been on for the last going on seven years changed your life? It's hard to uh, put into words how much it's changed. Um, You know, I started on this debt reduction plan to to try to get my freedom back because I felt like I was giving it away every month. I had a lot of income coming in, but a whole lot went back out the door to the banks and I was getting really tired of that. So you know, by, by cutting that debt, it allowed me to quit my, you know, unfulfilling job, even though I had the golden handcuffs. And, you know, I'm not advocating that all your listeners run out and quit their jobs today, but if you have a, you know, I urge everyone to write their vision for your lives and, and what you want that to look like, and then just put a plan together on how you're going to get there. You know, having that clear vision is incredibly powerful, and it will get you uh, to your goals much quicker than you would think. But it's allowed me, you know, being able to quit my job and, and having this increased cash flow. You know, I've taken my family on vacations. I never thought I could. Um, it's been incredibly life-changing, and I consider myself very fortunate that, that it's worked out this way. Is there anything bad about it? Is there, is there anything you need to warn listeners about before they jump into their own debt payoff regime here? Um, I, I don't know that it's bad... Um, it's frustrating for sure because, you know, you, let's say you did that wholesale, wholesale you were talking about and you made $10,000 net and you put it all against the debt. Well, that's not a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, you, you paid off a credit card or reduced a mortgage or something, and that's awesome, but it's not that much fun. So I got a tip on that I learned from my coach that I think will help people. You know, when I started on, on debt reduction, I was really transfixed on the mountain of debt that was in front of me. But Sean encouraged me not to focus on the mountain so much, but to focus on how far I've come since I took the first step, you know, in November of 2011. So now I, I track all of my successes. I write them down, no matter how small they are. And when I feel discouraged, I go take a look at them, and it re-energizes me. Um, just, I would encourage everyone to keep a, a log of your accomplishments, um, and you'll be amazed at how far you've come. Don't look at the mountain ahead of you. Look how far you've come. You know, if you write it down, it will work. Great advice, and really appreciate you being here today, Dave, and also appreciate your willingness to uh, share your, your story and all the 
all the details and math behind it at uh, Central Ohio RIA on April the 3rd. More information about that at centralohioria.com. And here in Cincinnati on April the 5th, uh, you can RSVP and get more information on that one at cincinnatiria.com. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>